ay, ay, ay. Hola, cariño. Hola, amor. Y bienvenidos a Week Horror, a Latinx Horror Movie Podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I'm Johnny. And I'm Eileen. Hello. Hello. How's it going over there? It's going good. Um, I found out today that the movie Get Out in, in Portuguese was called Cahi! <laughs> exclamation point. Really? <laughs> yeah, which means run. run! <laughs> yeah. I like it. I'll take it. Cahi! Fucking run, dude. You better run, dude. <laughs> I love to discover... The titles, the titles in foreign languages yeah, is yeah. so much fun. Like Paniku for... Paniku was Scream. Scream. Gohi for Get Out. Oh, my God. What was it? Adi said it in the Mimic episode. It was um, Pesadillas en la Calle. Del Terror. Del Terror. Which was A Nightmare on Elm Street. We should have it be like a thing we do at the beginning of every episode where we name a famous horror movie in Spanish. Absolutely. I'm down. Or Portuguese. A new tradition has begun. <laughs> okay, great. The first movie you should know that... Okay, let me look it up what it was in, in Spanish. Because uh, that's Portuguese was Cahi. Mm -hmm. Get out Spanish title. Oh, okay. In Spanish, it was called... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Escape. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that'll work. You better go. You better run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I'm so happy with our new tradition. I know this will be fun. Oh, my God. You guys, are you guys on board with this? Because uh, you're going to have to listen to it now. Watch us forget about it completely by next week. I will not forget. Now that I have it in my brain, I'm going to be like, OK, what should I do? Now? And it should be a surprise every time. Love it. Love it. When it's your movie, you pick one. And then when it's my movie, I'll pick one, too. I love that. Also, I'm going to completely change the subject very quickly because Eileen is dog sitting right now. <laughs> oh and God. we are FaceTiming. And behind her, there are two dogs. But one of them just like jumped onto the bed and burrowed itself under the blanket. And <laughs> is just the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. That's Bill. Bill <laughs> is the burrower. The other one is Atticus. They were so upset with me watching this movie because I was on the I was on the desk and they were like, how dare you not being on the couch and like touching us at all times? And I was like, guys, I have work to do. We demand cuddles as we watch this movie. Exactly. This super cuddly movie that you picked. <laughs> oh, <sighs> man. <laughs> wow. OK, so um, <laughs> this week was my pick and I said, let's return to Brazil. Yeah. And what I loved about this movie was that it wasn't Sao Paulo. It wasn't mm -hmm. Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. This was the first of I think one of the first of our movies. I might be wrong. That was elsewhere. And yeah. it was set in. Ceará, which is uh, one of the states of Brazil. The capital city is Fortaleza. It is one of the most mm. beautiful beaches. It's in the northeast of Brazil. Absolutely gorgeous. Constantly wanderlust when we're doing these movies. Have you been there? Have you been to Fortaleza? I've... I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, there was so much like as a kid living in Brazil, there was so much beach travel, you know, for vacaciones. And your parents are just like, we're going wherever. And yeah, we're going. And I'm like, I'm a child. I don't know where you're taking me. But <laughs> I, I don't remember. But the name Fortaleza, like 
that is so yeah. that brings back if not memories just like i'm like oh of course so yeah. yeah that is a that is a wonderful observation that we've been taken out of sao paulo which is where we usually yeah. are to a different part of brazil very very exciting and i'll point out now that the accent is so fun oh. it's i when i was listening to them i was like oof I love it. There were even things that I, I mean, this is not surprising because, you know, Portuguese is tough for me since it's been so long since I've lived there. I mean, I understand it, but it's still tough. But there were things right. that were said in this accent that I was like, gay? I don't get it. I don't get it. But I'm so excited <laughs> to uh, I'm so excited to talk about this movie with you today. Before I tell you the title of this film, how about you guys subscribe, rate and review to Uikiorod and whatever listening platform you use. We would love any sort of star thumbs up. Lo que te de la ganas. Put it out there. Help us out. It's uh, a wonderful thing for us. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Everybody. So this week... We are talking about O Clube dos Canibais from 2018, so very recent, mm -hmm. written and directed by Guto Parente. Yeah, this is a, a sexy romp. Oh, woo! <laughs> She's sexy, and I was not <laughs> expecting that whatsoever. I'm also trying to, like... You know, you've got a really good <laughs> poker face right now. And Thank I'm like, <laughs> how did Eileen feel about this movie? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think important to also just add here as a translation, O Clube dos Canibais means the cannibal club. Yes, just so correct. You know. uh, so you how about we get a little, little synopsis? synopsis from you? Yeah. Great. All right, here we go. I found this synopsis from IMDb. Otavio and Gilda's elite life falls in danger when Gilda accidentally discovers a secret from Borges, a powerful congressman and the cannibal club's leader. Okay. <laughs> Purposefully vague. And also, let's welcome back one of our favorite Brazilian Portuguese names, oh. Gilda! Gilda! <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Just we classic. We love a Gilda. <laughs> have there, has there ever? No, there have definitely been Brazilian movies that we haven't that we've covered that haven't included a Gilda, but they should all include they a. They should fucking all have a Gilda. Gilda. Yes. Love it. Okay, all right, here we go. Let's see what these this Cannibal Club is up to. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> we see the beautiful beach of Ceará. Ugh. As our opening credits roll and some jazzy jazz is oh. playing. It is jazzy. But it's not quite like it's not jazzy jazz like from the 20s. That's like no, it's a lot more. It's just got that Brazilian feel like it's sure very relaxing and funky and almost humorous and comedic you know what i mean yes there you immediately you're like there's a sense of comedy yeah that I, yeah 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 you can't quite put your finger on it but you're like let's just this is it, it it makes me giggle in a way yeah you know what i mean yeah a security guard sits at the gate of a big ass mansion that is right at this water. Like we're talking like immediatamente in, en frente del fucking mar. I mean, I can't. You leave your 
your living room, which is just beautiful glass doors. You open it, you walk straight out onto the playa. Like, you motherfuckers. This is the life. (laughs) Like, this is the life. Gorgeous. A woman sits by the pool. Well, technically in the pool, like her her yeah. lounge chair is like yeah. in the a very shallow end of the pool. She's sipping a cocktail and she watches her casero, which mm. is basically the um, the groundskeeper of mm. the house or houseboy or houseman, if you will. Yeah. So she watches this casero cleaning the pool and we get our title card. The Cannibal Club, which I it was interesting that it was in English, but yeah. I think that's because they were trying to like sell it to international audiences. Sure. O Clube dos Canibais. The woman smiles at him. He smiles back. Jazzy jazz continues oh, to play. Just a touch of flirtation here, perhaps. What's going on? These eyes are definitely talking about sex in these in this communication. Sexual eyes. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, uh, <laughs> a man in a speedo slices some very raw meat. Ooh, like we're talking yeah. like he went and the insides are <laughs> that is raw and uh he brings it to the woman at the pool he jumps into the pool himself <sighs> this is otavio and the woman is gilda later on in his tiny little quarters with a bare fluorescent light bulb the casero is looking at his phone and watching videos when Otavio knocks on his door and he says he has to go into Fortaleza. So Fortaleza is the is the main city. Uh, so I'm assuming they probably live a little bit out of the way of the main city. If he's like, I got to go into Fortaleza. So he's like, I got to go into Fortaleza for work. Gilda is staying behind, which the casero is kind of like, his face is like, oh, a senhora vai ficar sozinha. And even Otavio is like, yes, <laughs> she will be staying here by herself. And it's just like, what are you two getting at? What is, the both yeah. of you, not just the caseiro, Otavio también. I'm like, you two. Something's in the air, bro. <laughs> yeah. And so Otavio says he's taking Lucivaldo, the security guard, with him. So he asks the caseiro to keep fazer a vigilância da casa, to Mm. be the security guard of the house. And he hands him a gun. And he says, as long as you don't kill my wife, we're good. And you're like, okay. Wow. (laughs) Even the dude, even the caseiro is like, wow, okay. Yeah. Obvious, it's obviously a joke to Otavio, yeah. but it doesn't land to the sweet Caseiro. He's Absolutely like. Absolutely not. And also, you mentioned this, but the fact that the room, this is basically his like quarters where the Caseiro is. And I think it's just important to just point out the difference here because this yes. room, it's basically a cell. It's just concrete walls there's a like you said a teeny fluorescent like fluorescent tube whatever yeah and this man is sitting there like you know watching something on his cell phone está sudando he's sweating yeah. in this room so he's he doesn't have ac he's in this Nothing. teeny tiny little concrete cell of a room windowless his, his room windowless sweating his balls yeah. off while Otavio and Gilda have this 
gorgeous expanse grounds. of a house. Grounds, yeah. yeah. Grounds, totally. So just to, just to point that out. Yes, we're going to point out a lot of, of these uh, differences between the people. So off Otavio goes, and now it's the night, and we fucking. Oh, <laughs> and ho. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, it's like you knew that yeah. because you saw the sexual eyes that the, the sexual eyes was throwing at the caseiro. But I mean, when they literally are just like, this camera just is like, boom, look at these people having sex. Smash cut to smashing. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, give these two people the Oscar for best sex scene. Bro, yo dije, están culiando de verdad. Yes. yes. <laughs> Throughout this film, I was like, are these people actually having sex yeah yeah <laughs> whoa they are convincing dude very convincing, convincing. holy shit yes <laughs> so we fucking and uh <laughs> oh, and just to make it clear gilda and the caseiro are fucking otavio you know is off. otavio funnily enough <laughs> We think he's off, mm -hmm. but in a dark hallway, hidden, we actually see Otavio. He's somewhere in a cave somehow that we don't know, but mm -hmm. he's able to see. He's watching the Caseiro fuck his wife, and he's standing there, and he's jerking it and when i say jerking it i mean like oh this man is act we're watching a man actually <laughs> jerk it <laughs> absolutely we're watching the thing the shot is from quite far away yeah we're down the hall i was squinting to see <laughs> i was like uh-huh what's going on Déjame ver lo que te <laughs> a ver, pero you can't <laughs> you can't I mean, it's very convincing what this actor oh. is doing as well. But when I tell you the sound <laughs> that escaped my body, first, when you see Gilda and the Caseiro fucking, because I was like, these people are having sex. Like, it feels like for real. But then just the cut. Another's smash cut to more smashing, but it's a hand and a but dick. It's, but it's this, this jerking off. Again, <laughs> another sound that escaped my body, just like, oh, <laughs> oh. And we're yeah. what, like, what, five minutes five. into this film? Five. Wow. Okay, here we yeah. are. Here we are. And one thing to notice about Otavio as he's jerking furiously is that <laughs> right next to him is an axe. A big motherfucking axe. Yeah. So we're back to... <laughs> We're back to the fucking of Gilda and the Caseiro. And she's about to finish when... Otavio grabs that axe and he comes running out of that hidden wall and blam. And we look at Gilda and she's coming mm -hmm. and blood is pouring onto her and she's super cool with this. She is oh. like, oh yeah, rubbing, rubbing it, it all over, over her titties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude. And we're like, okay. And we pull back to see Otavio is holding the axe that is fully inside the Caseiro's head. And 
when he pulls it out, blood splatters all over Otavio's face. And it's obvious that Otavio, when that happens, also is coming. Uh, uh, <laughs> is like uh, fully <laughs> ejaculating. Wow. And we see a shot of the floor. And the gun of the house of of the Caseru on the floor, blood splattered all over Otavio's feet, and right in front of Otavio's feet, just a couple splooshes of splooge land on the ground. That to me may have been the most shocking part of all. I'm like, oh, we are this is the jizz, yeah. He murdered that man, and that brought him to orgasm. Yes, yeah, and it's you know. <laughs> The, these shots, first of all, like you said, when Otavio comes in and slam axe to the brain, you get yeah. that close up of Gilda and she is basically, you know, not to be vulgar, but I no, mean, we're pero... talking like we're just going there. But she sí. gets it's that caseru might as well have been coming all over her. Pero it's sangre. And yeah. then uh, when when Otavio pulls the the axe out, it might as well be come in the face. Yeah, dude. Oh, holy shit. It's cum shots, but it's blood, <laughs> blood shots. shots. And we're like, like we said, what now? Seven minutes into this film. Seven minutes. In. Holy shit. OK. Yeah. Wow. OK, here we are. Here we are. A naked blood covered Gilda comes down the mansion stairs and she's holding a plastic bag with all the bloody sheets and the things that were stained. And we hear a chainsaw. And on their long dining table, a naked blood covered Otavio is cutting up the Caseru's body. And then we cut to him with a cleaver and he is butchering the Caseru's body. So before he was cutting the chunks up and now he is legit like, this is the top loin. This is the, the pork butt. Putting this it is into <laughs> Tupperware. Literally. Outside, we get a shot of them standing together, still naked, still blood soaked, standing in front of a fire, like a huge bonfire where obviously they're probably burning everything they need to burn. Yeah. Now dressed and at the dinner table, Otavio and Gilda are eating the casero is all we can assume, basically. Absolutely. That is what's happening here. Yes. <laughs> And they have these like little tiffs and they have like annoyed married couple like fights, biting oh, yeah. little remarks. And uh, as they're having these moments, Lucivaldo, the security guard, arrives and he's late, which Otavio is absolutely not happy about. Lucivaldo comes in and he apologizes, saying that he was trying to find a place to eat, but everything was closed. And Gilda, in a very smooth, calculating manipulative way it seems mm. she's like well grab a chair and sit and have dinner with us and i was like hey don't do it dude it's man meat you don't Ooh, you don't yeah. want to fucking do that b she's obviously doing this to push otavio's already annoyed buttons yes and poor Lucivaldo is like, uh, I'm OK. No, don't worry about me. And she's like, no, no, I insist, please. And he's like and he and Lucivaldo keeps checking in with Otavio, who is looking at Gilda with like eyes. Mm -hmm. And finally, she says, Lucivaldo, eu estou mandando. I'm ordering you to come and sit. And finally, Lucivaldo's like, 
I'm in the middle of this weird game that these people yeah. are playing. So he goes to sit when Otavio's like, no, 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 we were just joking around with you, buddy. Go ahead, go back to your post. The relief that Lucy Valdu feels here is truly felt, but also the relief I felt. Yes. That he's finally like, she's just messing around. Go ahead, like, please just go do your job, leave. But this also, I mean, this reminded me of life in Latin America, honey. Like that class system that exists in Latin America where it's just like it, it, it where she's like, she's like, no, please come sit at the table. But she's fucking with him, with yeah. Lucy Valdu and Otavio. Ooh, it made me so uncomfortable. It's so uh, sinister because she knows what she's doing. She's using her power over not only Lucy Valdo for being the dona da casa, for being the, the woman of the house, mm-hmm. but she's using this cat and mouse game she's playing with Lucy Valdo to fuck with her own husband, whom she's having issues with a little spat with yes and it feels very elitist which is what is permeates through this film absolutely and lucy valdu should be able to sit at this table and, and share a meal with these people but he is so ingrained in this system that yeah. he is like absolutely not i will not I don't want to sit at this yeah. table. It's really, really awful. And can I just ask something really, really quickly? Something I picked up here at the dinner because Otavio is like, you know, they're having dinner and apparently it's delicious. This fucking man meat. And Gilda uh. is like, oh, my gosh, it's so good. You should open a restaurant. Right. And Otavio says, like, I mean, only if you learn how to cook, honey. And she very much is like. Excuse me. And that's kind of like where the spat comes out. And he's like, yeah, well, if, if you if you learned how to cook, it would be very stimulating to me. And so I thought here he can't have sex with her. He's like impotent or something. He can't get it up for her or algo así. Mm. And the way that she gets off, aside from the murder, is she has sex with other people, people who are apparently in her mind below her because her husband can't get her off. That's what I picked up on. Am I wrong here? That's definitely the vibe. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I think it gets develops more. We learn more about it as the movie goes. Yes. In a conference room, two young dudes give a presentation to Otavio and an associate of Otavio. And they're talking about the citizens of Fortaleza and their issues with security. So I'm going to give you like a, a basically the vibe of what their presentation is, not because mm-hmm. this scene is particularly important, mm-hmm. but I think it does put into place a lot of the ideals of what these high quote unquote class people have in their mind of what their city is and how they live kind of vibe. Yeah. So these two dudes are saying the citizens, the good citizens of Fortaleza, Uh. they always say good citizens uh, are scared. 92% of them believe that the state will not solve the problems of crime and os problemas do crime e da violência da cidade, of crime and violence in the city. And that 
67% of that 92% don't trust the police to do it either. So our main target or these two men, the company's main target is those people. Who could ensure peace and quiet that they deserve as a right? And it's private security on target private security, which is Otavio's company that he owns, is the place where citizens will be able to find the best trained people on the market. So Otavio is watching this. And that's being generous. He is like barely listening to these two young dudes give this yeah. presentation. His phone dings. He like interrupting and he turns to his associate. Doesn't even turn. He looking at his phone snaps at Ugh. his associate so that his associate will give him his glasses to read the text that he just got. Which is from a man named Borges. And in the text it says, 4.30 p.m., my office, um assunto de grande importância. Something of big importance. Mm. We're gonna, we need to talk about something. So now we're in Borges' office. Otavio waits for him to get off the phone. And we see Borges standing in front of this beautifully wallpapered wall. It's like royal blue mm. brocade kind of thing. And to his right is a portrait of himself, like a painted portrait. To his left is a picture of either. Listen, it's not the actual president because that's not what it's not Bolsonaro, but it's somebody that has like a sash on. It's a very presidential political type picture that we are meant to assume is somebody in a position of power. Once Borges is done with his call, Otavio and him shake hands. Otavio's like, meu deputado, my congressman. And they ask each other their niceties. They're like, how's your wife? How's your wife? Are you coming to my wife's birthday party? Asks Borges to Otavio. And he's like, of course, of course, me and Gilda will be there. Once the niceties are done, down to business. Borges says, we have to talk about some sensitive things about our clubi. Our club. Mm. And Otavio says, oh, yeah, our clubi. What about our meeting? Our rendezvous, our rendezvous, our rendezvous <laughs> on Wednesday. I haven't gotten a message yet. And Borges says, yes, same time. But this time I'm sending the location 30 minutes before our meeting. And Otavio's like, why the mystery? What's going on? And Borges says, I think one of our compañeros is gabbing too much. One of the people in the club is hanging with the wrong people, conspiring with our enemies. Mm. It's a man named Clovis. Clovis. <laughs> Clovis. <laughs> but when they say it in Portuguese, I thought it was so funny. Clovis. Same. I, I had to take a pause. Clovis. <laughs> Clovis. So Otavio's like, well, I'm in charge of Clovis's security. <laughs> Sorry. Clovis. I'm in charge of Clovis's security at his home. And Borges is like, yes, I'm well aware. I would like to put one of my men in place of one of your men. Seems suspicious. Yes, it does. Why could it be? We cut to a man singing opera. I, my note was... <laughs> 
this sorry to be rude but rather bad singer at this party it, it was, was very bad i felt nervous for him well, oh i was like very... when is this gonna end no that was beautiful johnny no. that he was... <laughs> well i'm trying to impersonate it was like um it was like nervous singing, very vibrating, like yes. anxious singing. Woo! Yeah, it, it wasn't it good. Was bad. It, it was bad. It wasn't good. Once the singing is over, Otavio and Gilda are chatting with another couple at this birthday party. And they're like, oh, my latest holiday. Yes, tell us about it. So this other couple is like, oh, now that's a real country. Civilized people, educated, clean, completely different from here. I love first world countries. Oh, Oh, boy. Wow. And they're like, everything works over there. Not like here in Brazil. You can leave your house unconcerned, park your car anywhere. E sem flanelinha. Uh-huh. Now let's talk about what a flanelinha is. So growing up in Brazil and in Nicaragua, you don't see it very often here in the U.S. I no. have had my moments, mm-hmm. pero casi nunca. It's just these usually young kids going up to your windshield and asking to clean it. Mm -hmm. And then you tip them. They're just trying to find something to get by, something to make a little bit of money. Yeah. They're at a stoplight and they're if they're not doing that, they're selling gum. If they're not doing that, they're like, you know, like it's it's that kind of vibe. So and flanelinha, just so you guys know, uma flanela means like a little trapo, like a little um, like a little rag. So literally it means little rag is what flanelinha means. And this fucking old man is like, oh, hasa, like this fucking race of people, this Ooh, fucking it was so, hateful, hateful. Yeah, hateful. And then Gilda says, I that. I hate the flanelinhas. For me, they could all die. And <gasps> then the four of these people just start cackling yes. at this phrase. Out like, loud oh, laughing at this shit. <laughs> and she means it. She oh, fucking absolutely. means this. I thought here, I was like, these rich white people yeah. hate their country, hate Brazil so much. If you hate it so mm-hmm. much, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you just making holes. this place worse. And they're so scared of Brazil too. They're scared of it. Cut to Gilda legit vomiting her mm. face off into a toilet, and we see that there's a trail of vom like leading into the bathroom where she's at, which a maid of this house is cleaning up with un trapo en el piso. Like she is like cleaning on her hands up and knees on our hands and knees, cleaning up this piece of shit woman's fucking vom. Con el Otavio and, literally standing there watching. But he's wa- he's watching the woman clean it. But he is definitely there being judgmental about his wife. He's like, she is not presenting herself the way that she should. Amongst these elite high society, exactly yes. elite. Later on, <laughs> Gilda is drunkenly passed out against the stairs, and another maid comes in and she's like, "Ma'am, are you okay? Like genuinely, like, can, do you need anything? Can I get you anything?" And Gilda's like, "No, no, esto bem, minha querida, get out of here. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it." She glugs some more booze, which BT dubs. 
When I'm <sighs> drunk off my ass and I barf, there's not a chance in fucking hell I'm oh going back for another beverage. The last time I did this, where I college. like college, I oh, absolutely, maybe high school, honestly, where I remember, <laughs> I think it was in Mexico, so I guess that would have been college at this point. But I remember I went to a huge, huge motherfucking club. And I was hanging out with some friends and I was drinking gin and tonics, which was my drink of choice back then. Don't whatever. Don't at me. (laughs) And I got fucking drunk so much so that I went to the bathroom and I barfed my brains out. And again, like I let me again preface, I was in my 20s and I just like drank some water, went back to drinking gin and tonics. If the thought of that now makes my head hurt makes my stomach turn like i cannot fucking believe that i did that and this bitch is drinking scotch Scotch. like she is drinking scotch no (laughs) no way so she glugs some more scotch and she heads out into the gardens of this massive rich person party and she runs into two security dudes who are just outside like I have to sit around and they're either drivers or security dudes having to wait around for their rich fucking bosses to like stumble out wasted and take them home kind of thing. So Gilda asks these two men, she asks for Lucivaldo, her security dude. And they're like, oh, senora, he's been gone for a little while. He went that away. And she's like that away. And they're like, yep, that away. And so she goes looking. She hmm. walks through these huge grounds and these dark palm tree lined paths into a tiny little area in the back, which has a little warehouse with like old tires and the electric boxes and like umbrellas for the pool and stuff. And she turns a little corner and there she finds Lucivaldo. But she also finds Congressman Borges. And what she discovers is Lucivaldo is fucking Congressman Borges. And I'm but talking fucking. like, but fucking. But fucking. <laughs> like from, ba- this, I was like, I mean, again, <laughs> another moment where I was just like, damn, Cannibal Club, I didn't see this coming. Because again, very convincing and this is coming from a gay man where i was like whoa that he is fucking him <laughs> literally has his sprawled hands against the wall like he is Dude. holding on for dear life getting fucked like railed just is- grabbing on for dear life smacking that ass like not smack you know just like you know what i mean like bah, bah, bah. <laughs> but i mean the so convincing that i even was like is borges wearing a jock strap right now like it's possible it's Dude, possible they, yeah f- a falcon f- like it, they Ooh. are yes it's <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Damn. hilarious wow Ilagilda, she is standing there boca abierta it's yeah. like she is shocked yes. she's holding her her fucking scotch and she's like uh, and the, if from the shock, she drops her glass, it smashes and everything like literally d- the record scratch. <laughs> yep. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> so they both look at her 
she looks at me and I look at him. Remember the R. Kelly song? And then he looks at me and then looks at him. Like, Jesus. That's, it's, oh, the, and for like, it feels like five minutes. Uh, they are just. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody mouth open. These two men sweating their balls off. Like Lucifaldo is still inside inside (laughs) inside of that man, and just everybody's mouth wide open. Can I just say something about the style of this movie? Very very quickly here. Yes. So first of all, Gilda looks so good in this scene. Fabulous hair slicked back. Oh my God. Like the wet hair look slicked back. These fabulous big earrings. She is Mm -hmm. gorgeous. She is styled. I mean, a beautiful woman in this gorgeous black dress. But there's something about this scene in particular. And I mean, from the moment she's sitting on the stairs to this moment of discovering this butt sex between these two guys. (laughs) Yeah. This movie's short. It's under yeah. an hour and a half. It's very short. And it takes its time, which honestly totally. is something that's, you know, we we talk about this a lot that I'm like, hurry, it, hurry the fuck up. Yeah. I'm ready for like, what's going on? But this, her leaving the house, asking the, the guy, the drivers or the cops, whatever, where is, where is Lucy Valdo? Walking through the dark. I loved this. Yeah, me too. Because it really took its time. And I was like, ¿Qué está pasando? Or yeah. like, what is about to happen? I really felt, I wasn't scared, but the tension but and the suspense yes. was very good. It was really, You're, really well they built. build it, yes, yeah. in a beautiful, patient way, which Absolutely. is Absolutely. And nice. the reveal uh-huh. is... <laughs> Powerful and worth it. You're there and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So much so that like, you know, they're staring at each other for what feels like an eternity after she Uh discovers this. I thought they were going to kill her right then and there. I thought they were going to murder this woman. I was wait. Like, I literally was like, y ahora que? Y ahora que pasa? Like, where where are you going to take us next? Because this is what this is what we're discovering. I was like, okay, what next? What next? Whoa, dude. Now in the car, Otavio is driving and Gilda sits quietly in the front seat and he asks, what's the matter? And she's like, nothing. And he's like, nothing. And she's like, <laughs> and he says, ¿Y por qué você tá com essa cara de cu? <laughs> Which, <laughs> ass face? I use, uh, yeah, ass face. Uh-huh. <laughs> I used to say cara de cu all the fucking time when I well, was living in Brazil. Well, let's bring it back. ¿Y por qué tá com essa cara de cu? Cara de cu. And I was like, <laughs> yes. So she's like, I have a headache. And he's like, you're lying. And she's like, ay, Otavio, no enche meu saco. Another amazing phrase in Portuguese. Repeat it to me. What did she say? Ay, Otavio, no enche meu saco. Don't, it literally ain't anxious. So Uh it literally translates to don't fill my sack. (laughs) Like, (laughs) don't fill my sack. I love it. Don't fill my sack. No enche meu saco. Stop bothering me. Leave me alone kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And Otavio's like, look, we got to talk. You have to respect my authority. I'm your husband Mm. and you have to get a hold of your shitty behavior because I will not tolerate it anymore. And she literally sits there and laughs in his fucking face. So, again, it's this like cat and mouse game of her like 
toying with his authority every mm. time he needs to show power or wants to show power she's like no because mm-hmm. at the dinner table with Lucivaldo, he's like you don't do anything he's like oh you're telling me i don't do anything and that's when she starts the the thing with Lucivaldo. Mm-hmm. here he's like why are you like you need to listen to me respect me i'm your husband and she's like suck my dick no ain't you meu saco like yeah i mean you know again feels like impotence keeping him down like you know just like you're not the one in charge here honey but it's so manipulative yes because she also at the same time can be very sweet but it's like sweetness with the sharpest edge biting yeah 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 totally totally it's the next day and Gilda is in Borges' office, which that okay. was shocking oh, to absolutely me. Absolutely, it was shocking. Yes. I was like, I literally wrote, Ooh, girl, what are you doing here? What are you going to do? Yeah. Before she even spoke, I was like, Oh, he called her in. But oh, no. She's like, uh, To what do I owe this pleasure of you being here? So she came out of her own accord yeah. to talk to Borges. Yes. And she's like, I'd like to talk to you about what happened last night. And she's like, listen, I don't have, eu não tenho preconceito. I, I am not prejudiced. No judgments. We have to do what fulfills us, what brings us pleasure, no matter what people think or say. Also, no need to worry. I will not tell anyone anything of what I saw last night. Not even to Otavio. Mm. And she says, I'll take that secret to meu tumulo, my grave. I'm going to mm-hmm. take that secret to the tumulo. And Borges says to her, Gilda, minha querida, eu não faço a menor ideia de que você está falando. Gilda, I have no idea what you are talking about. And she's like, uh what do you mean you know what happened in the little house at the back yesterday at the party that whole situation <laughs> in the warehouse <laughs> and Bosch's again is like he literally Alyssa edwards is like what the fuck is going on here on this day <laughs> and yeah. he's like i don't know what's going on And he says, what exactly are you talking about? No prejudices and not caring about what people think. And she immediately like something clicks in her brain and she's like, you know what? I drank a lot last night and I'm still a little confused. Yeah. You know what? I don't remember anything. I don't remember anything. I I just came to apologize about last night, even though I don't remember anything. So, you know, uh, I mean, mm -mm. I believed this man. Uh, he was so convincing <laughs> the that he's light. oh my god. And I didn't put it past the movie to be like is this another twist where like something cuz this man is convincing. Yes. I will say when he delivered that line of eu não faço a menor ideia de o que você está falando, I laughed out loud cuz it was so the comedy behind that line because and it's another moment where he takes his fucking time he's yes. like gilda mm-hmm. minha querida 
to her face, looking right in her eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, it was so good. So good. Yeah. So back at the house, Otavio gets his 30-minute text of the address for the rendezvous that they need to mm-hmm. go to. He gets in his tux. He goes to say goodbye to Gilda. And they have another little couple argument. But this time, it's about him going to these rendezvous, these parties, and her having to stay at home. And it's, again, this, like... Ay, Otavio, side that key. I don't want to fucking deal with this bullshit anymore. And he's like, listen, you need to be a good wife and what, whatever. It's again, mm. this, the power shifting yeah. dynamics and her not allowing it and him trying to be the authority and it not working. Oh, really. no, she won't even look at him. She won't even look exactly. at him. Exactly. She's working out and she's mm-hmm. like, okay, bye. Have fun in your weird rendezvous. So now we're in a giant empty warehouse. Several men in tuxes, Borges and Otavio included, are sitting on a little balcony looking down to a spotlight. Like it's a lit up area of uh, this warehouse. There's nothing there except for a camcorder pointing at this like empty area. Borges pushes a little remote button and in a little corner room, a red light turns on. And a man in a black suit pulls at two chains, bringing in a couple that are attached, each one attached to one chain. Now we're fucking. (laughs) Again. Here we are again. We're fucking the two people, this couple that was just brought out, attached to these chains, naked, fucking, in this spotlit area with the camcorder filming. Again, give them the Oscars for most convincing sex scene. Holy shit. Also, the man is standing up and fucking her, like, holding her. I was like, bro, those thighs are (laughs) on fire. Yeah, dude. (laughs) And and, and when we're talking fucking, like, he is fucking. Oh my god. It might as well be a, a Like it's just it. They're going at it. So the men in the balcony are watching. We get a great like panning shot over all these faces. Here are two things we need to notice. One, every single man except for one who's an Asian man is white on that balcony. Two, the couple is black. Mm -hmm. Back in the little room, the red light turns on again. But this time, a shirtless man with a leather face mask on. Texas Chainsaw Massacre full through. Yes. Uh, Totally. And a bat with nails poking out of it walks out into the space. Now, we don't see it, but we basically hear this man kill the couple. Smash cut to these men in tuxes sitting in a long dining table being served shuhasku style a bunch of very raw meat now for our friends who don't know what shuhasku is it's basically brazilian steakhouse style uh serving which is they bring meat on swords which is if you have not experienced a brazilian steakhouse you absolutely 
Must. You if you're must a meat eater, do it. yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's delicious. Delicious. And it's it's a ballet of a meal because it's <laughs> it's all yeah. these men and women coming around holding different cuts of meat, sausages. Uh, uh, my one of my particular favorites, which isn't very uh, popular with a lot of people, was chicken hearts. When they came around with the chicken hearts, I would Dude. fuck those up. So good. But they also always have a buffet where you can have like rice, farofa, beans, mm. all these different like salady things, vinagrechi, this like oh. little like just vinegary, delightful, like spicy. Oh my God, the it's fucking so best. so good. Dude. I miss so it good. so much. So as they're getting served this <laughs> people meat, basically. Yeah. Borges stands up to speak and he points out that Clovis isn't there with them tonight. And he's like, oh, he had a horrible accident and the chances of his survival are slim to none. But, you know, we can't let that ruin our celebration to Clovis. And they all cheers Clovis. Okay. Now, I assume they all know they must realize that Borges took Clovis out. I mean, at the very least, Otavio knows that. Borges continues, he's like, on the same note, how about another toast to the loyalty that brings us together? Us, distinctive men devoted to the highest and most noble values. As long as we are loyal to ourselves and our ideals, then we will remain worthy of our privileged position that we hold in our society. What a fucking cock. Fuck you. I must say, though, this actor does a very good job. And he is malicious. He is yeah. pointed and scary and racist as fuck. It's very, very effective. It's scary. Racist, classist. He is absolutely a monster. And he continues. And this position that we have, our privileged position in our society, demands even more responsibility than ever because our enemies want to degrade the values of family and faith and work. Those that want to turn our country into a country of miserable delinquencies, pederasts, and the scourge of society that should be smashed be beneath our feet. I'm going to say that phrase in Portuguese because I really like the way it sounds. Esmagado. That means smashed. Esmagado baixo nossos pés. Smashed beneath our feet. Wow. They want to bring us down. But they won't be able to as long as we are loyal to ourselves and our values and no one will destroy us or our nation. Viva o Brasil e viva o povo brasileiro. And the level of hypocrisy in the same breath that you were like, fuck these people, fuck the poor, fuck the garbage, like, fuck all of these lower class motherfuckers. But viva o Brasil, viva o povo brasileiro, like the Brazilian people. And, and not for nothing, but it, it's full on Bolsonaro vibes. Absolutely. 
And hilariously enough, we are counterbalanced from this very elitist scene to cutting to a job recruitment office and we meet Jonas. And Jonas is putting in his resume and a file in hopes to find a new job. And the lady at the desk, Cecilia, is like, she's listing out all of his jobs, which are very humble jobs. They're delivery guy, waiter, security guard, plumber. And when Cecilia says, great, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. He's like, listen, it's really tough out there. This gave me uh, trabalhar cansa vibes. It's really tough out there. There's having a hard time. Is there really nothing you can offer me right now? And she's like, para suas especialidades no for your specialties which seems again like your the, the work us. that you yes yeah. the work that you do there's nothing there that for me to offer you and he's like okay so what is there to be offered and she's like well there is the a position for casero for groundskeeper work and he's like i can do that i'm super chill with that And something switches and she starts asking questions. She's like, okay, are you from here? No. Do you have family here? No. Friends? No. Health issues? Medication? No and no. Do you do drugs? No. Are you comfortable living in your workplace? And he's like, yes. Okay, great. Go to the next room and have a medical exam done and they're going to take photos of you and this leaves him super hopeful but these are questions that the answers are basically saying no one will miss you if you're gone absolutely immediately after we see Gilda and Otavio sitting in that same office with Cecilia and they're swiping through pictures on an iPad of headshots of men and then full body shots of these same men in their underwear and it's Gilda that's swiping through literally Bas- just picking her next man yeah and of course she lands on Jonas as Gilda and Otavio are driving away Gilda's like what happened to Lucivaldo Because there's a different security guy that they have. And Otavio's like, fuck that guy. He disappeared. He never showed up again. What the hell? Honey. He is dead. He dead. He is dead. We see a long dirt road. And Jonas walks along it on his way to his new workplace over at Otavio and Gilda's. And on the way, he runs into a decomposing carcass of a dog. And it's... yeah fucking gnarly looking yeah at the Horrible. moment i saw this i thought jonas turn around, turn around. this is a bad omen Get this is a bad omen dude yeah. now we see gilda peeing in a toilet <laughs> and she basically has told otavio listen i met with Borges, and i told him what i saw And she's like, I look, nothing's going to happen to us. He was super chill with our conversation. Not a problem. And Otavio's like, you don't know what he's capable of. And she's like, he likes you so much. And he likes me not as much as he likes you, but he likes me. And Otavio's like, yeah. And he liked Clovis too. Mm -hmm." And she says, what matters is that I made him believe that I didn't remember anything. (laughs) And Otavio is really concerned with him and Gilda's situation. And Gilda is 
cool as a cucumber. She's like, it's nothing's going to happen. What are you what are you worried about? Why? What are you so concerned? And Otavio says, listen, not only did you see Borges sendo enrabado, which oh means my God. <laughs> getting fucked in the ass. Mm -hmm. But you saw Borges sendo enrabado por um empregado. So you saw him getting fucked in the ass by someone that worked for, not him, for me. Like, mm -hmm. someone, uh, uh, that's not good. An employee. And the doorbell rings. Jonas has arrived at the house. And we get the same kind of scene from the very top where Jonas is working the grounds of the house and Gilda is watching him poolside, basically. Mm -hmm. It's nighttime and Otavio is paranoid. Oof. And he goes to the new security guard and he's like, listen, my dude, you better be on your fucking shit. There is a gang out there attacking everybody in this area, no matter what, no matter who. You shoot those motherfuckers, which is another another thing of like he has no care for anyone around him ever. He's like, shoot whoever it is in bed. Otavio lies awake, still super concerned. So he goes over to Jonah's room, which was the old Casero's room. Same little cell block. And he gives Jonah's a gun. And he's like, listen, there's a gang. They're fucking around. <laughs> high alert. You gotta stay high alert for me. Can I trust you? And Jonas is like, yes, absolutely. If you need me to not go to sleep, I will. Anything you need. And Otavio's like, cool. And he goes back to the main house, locking all the doors. I mean, look, Otavio sucks. He fucking sucks. But yeah. this is smart. This yeah. is what he should be doing. Yeah. Totally. A little later, though, who's coming down them stairs but little Shocker. old Gilda, and she's leaving all the doors open and ready. Girl. She walks on over to Jonas's room. He opens the door holding the gun ready to fucking fuck someone up. She pushes him inside as she grabs his dick. So oh, yeah. it's on. Outside, the new security guy is asleep. And a black gloved hand with a Bowie knife comes into screen and slices this motherfucker's throat dead. And two men walk through the grounds of this house. We cut to Gilda fucking Jonas fucking in his little bed with that fluorescent light fucking hitting her face. Y cuando de repente blam, blam, blam gunshots. In Otavio and Gilda's room, there are two masked men who have shot up the bed, but Otavio isn't there. Mm. So one of them goes to look through the rest of the house while the other takes a look around the room. And he discovers the secret hallway behind a two-way mirror where Otavio was jerking off in the very beginning, right? So the masked man walks down this little hallway and he gets to the end of this hallway and he opens the door and shing, an axe right to the stomach, dude. This was, again, great scene here because it takes its sweet ass time yeah. and builds up that, ten that tension. And also, I didn't realize that Otavio wasn't there at first because... 
you get a shot of the, you know, the assailants, the assassins, if you will, pointing their gun at the bed. Right. So I thought, oh, they just shot and killed Otavio. And the reason they're looking around is they're just trying to they're trying to find Gildar if there's anybody else in the house. So this axe to the chest was a great surprise for me. I really love or it. wherever wherever the axe got this person, but I, I loved the suspense here. Really, really well done. The other masked man walks through the house until he gets to Jonas's room and he opens the door and there is Yilda sitting curled up in a corner. He holds up his gun to her and blam. Jonas has shot him in the fucking head, splattering blood all over the camera lens. Very cool. So Jonas goes back to check the rest of the house. And in Otavio's room, this is where we see the bed is empty. There's only bullet holes there, but no Otavio. And he sees the hallway secret door room, too. And he goes down the hallway and at the other end that he finds Otavio alive and well. Cut to poor Jonas having to dig the hole and bury the dead bodies of these fucking people. Of course. Now, Gilda and Otavio need to come up with a plan. So Gilda has an idea and she's like, listen, you're going to call Borges. You're going to say that those caras, two dudes came into the house, killed the security guard, killed the casero and then killed me. And then you killed one of the dudes, but you captured the other one and that you're going to pull the nails off of the of that guy one by one until he confesses who sent him. And then Borges will be worried that that dude is going to fucking spill the beans. So he'll come over here and to basically kill that guy that you have, but also probably to try and kill you, Otavio. But we're going to kill him first. So Otavio's like, listen, that's too cold blooded. Nós não somos assassinos. And it's like, yes, you are. Couldn't believe this I line. Know. We are not murderers. Out loud, this brutal murderer says this. We are not murderers. Which this moment in the movie, I I thought to myself, the people that they have killed so far and, and eaten aren't human to them. Or no one, yeah. And then he says, but what about afterwards? What if when they come investigating, fucking Borges is a congressman, for God's sakes. And Gilda says, listen, we'll put the blame on Jonas, of Ugh, course. Fucking asshole. And Otavio says, okay, okay. So we'll eat Jonas, which when he says that line, a gente come o Jonas, I was like, how casual of you to just be like, oh, for dinner tomorrow? Great. We'll eat that fucking guy. Yeah. And, uh, and then we'll say that Jonas ran away and no one will ever suspect us. And Gilda grabs him by the robe collar and she says, eu te amo, Otavio. And Otavio says, eu te amo, Gilda. It's the next day. A huge black SUV drives up to the car and inside of the house, Otavio takes Borges up to see his quote unquote dead wife. And he's crying, he's sobbing, and they leave downstairs by the stairs, uh, two security guys. In the bedroom, Gilda lies on the bed, gunshot to the head, fucking dead as a doornail. Cuando shing! Jonas fucking smashes that 
axe right into Borges's back. As he falls to his knees, Gilda turns her face and looks right at him and smiles. Wow. Which honestly, that little moment, she looked like it, the the devil was inside her when she smiled at him. She was Happy like, oh yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. That's <laughs> basically what she should have said. <laughs> Otavio comes out of the room and he calls to the security dudes and he's like, listen, Bosch says, come help us carry the body. And they come upstairs. They go in the room, close the door. And we hear blam, 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 a bunch of gunshots. Goodbye, security dudes. In his tiny cell of a room, sweet baby Jonas is like, what the fuck? What have I gotten myself into? He didn't he didn't get himself into this. They no. fucking got him into this. Yes. And he says, fuck this shit. He packs his little single tiny backpack because he has nothing. He has nothing. He grabs the gun that he got given from Otavio and he's ready to walk out that door. But suddenly he sniffs at the air like something smells weird and he follows the smell and he looks under the bed and it's the dead dog carcass. And the screen turns red. Cuando de repente a knock at the door and Jonas wakes up and he checks under the bed. Nada. It was a dream. What did this mean to you? This dream? I yeah. think that it, it was a signifier of the same omen, which he saw on, that sh- on the long fucking uh-huh. dirt road before. At least to me, the dream was a warning. Like, you need to get the fuck out of here now. What did you think? Sure. No, I mean, I was I was a little confused and I was like, I don't know what this means, really. Sure. It gave me enough artsy fartsy for me to be like, yeah, dead. Yeah, that's uh huh. <laughs> Get out of there, dude. Yeah. Uh, what was the ouye? <laughs> yeah, ouye. <laughs> Kohi. Kohi. Uh, so the person at the door is Otavio. And we get the classic scene from the top, which is, oh, I'm going to Fortaleza. I'm leaving behind my wife. Uh, it's all very familiar from the top. And Otavio hands Jonas a shotgun and he's like listen take good care of my wife Uh uh-huh and we're fucking (laughs) (laughs) i love i love the abruptness of this film that they're like we're not we're just we got we're just gonna take care of fucking and we're going like let's go we all know it's coming let's go i love that and we see the visual we have, it's like we're Otavio. So we can see in the two-way mirror, like the reflection of him watching his wife get fucked. He's, again, jerking off. And Jonas tries to change positions, but Gilda won't let him. She doesn't want to. She's close. And out of the closet, here comes Otavio with the axe. And slam. But Jonas has moved out of the way. And that axe goes right through Gilda's chest. And it looks fantastic. Fantastic. This gory reveal of her axe bludgeoned, like the axe still buried in her chest. Yeah. And she's looking down at it. She doesn't speak. She can't believe. She's just like kind of like like breathing like... (gasps) 
And she and it's just the blood isn't gushing, but it is trickling out. It's similar to the kind of blood that she was spreading all over herself when what's his name got killed at the top. And Otavio is standing there like, uh, 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 he literally is like, Gilda, Gilda. And from behind him, we hear Otavio turns and Jonah stands there with the shotgun boom in the head otavio gets shot and like blood all over the walls he lands face down next to his wife brains everywhere everywhere this looks like blueberries to me though (laughs) it is rather jammy but brains you know like brains sure it's got that that consistency it's kind of goopy oh this was so great this was yeah. so, I mean, I know it's terrible, but yeah. it's great. Gilda and Otavio lie together on the bed, dead. The credits begin, but quickly after, we cut to see Jonas, covered in blood, in disbelief, sitting on the side of the pool. Fing the fiume. You fucking nailed it. That was so, so much fun to go through again. And I just got to say here, at the end of this movie, this last scene where Jonas is fucking Gilda, I was so tense because I thought, don't you fucking kill Jonas. Because the moment you see him in this movie, you know, when he's at that job interview, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is our like what I'll call like our final boy or final yes. our final man, basically, yeah. instead of final girl. And um, and I was just like, don't you fucking kill him. And I was like shoulders to ears, tense, just waiting for that axe to come down. Yeah. And he is literally like coming and he tilts his head back and i think that's how he notices that here comes fucking otavio with the axe uh, do this with that last sequence i thought was just phenomenal it was so when good. the axe lands on her i literally went <gasps> like yeah. i gasped yeah yeah totally. it was great it was oh, great it was great all right let's get into some trivia yeah This is my trivia for today. So I looked up The Cannibal Club, clearly to find out what this movie is, but it led me to a Wikipedia page about The Cannibal Club, which I was like, the movie? Apparently not. So this is what The Cannibal Club is, according to Wikipedia, which I assume that this is where Gutuparenci got the inspiration for this film. That is an assumption, but it's pretty... Close, if you ask me. So here we go. The Cannibal Club was a Victorian dining club associated with the Anthropological Society, likely founded at the same time in 1863 by Sir Richard Francis Burton and Dr. James Hunt. Richard Burton was like, I looked him up. He was some like Elizabeth Taylor's husband. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, yes born in 1863 uh no um not quite but yes same name right that's the fucking same name richard burton Burton. this richard burton was i mean i think he might have been kind of a racist motherfucking asshole but he was very he was fluent in like 
many languages. He mm. apparently translated, with the help of other people, the Kama Sutra. Like, he was... Um, Whoa. What I will say is uh, an interesting fellow with a shady-ass past. That's sure. what I'll say. So let's continue here. The club's name is thought to derive from Burton's interest in cannibalism, which he regretted that he never witnessed on his travels. Okay. Oh. The cannibal catechism, as well as the club's membership, suggest that the dinners served as an opportunity for renowned radicals and social misfits to air their views. A biographer of Burton named Dane Kennedy says... The Cannibal Club was a venue for venting what were considered at the time subversive opinions about religion, race, sex, and much more. And I was like, okay, well, I want to know a little bit more. So I found this article from SmithsonianMag.com. And the title is The Cannibal Club, Racism and Rabble-Rousing in Victorian England. Rabble-Rousing. Great word. And this was written by Jeff M. Campagna. I'm just going to read a quick thing here, which gave me like the same vibes as what we saw in this film. So it says here, Bertolini's restaurant was cheap, but charming. Perfect for the creatures who roamed 19th century London after the sun went down. On Tuesday nights in Bertolini's back room, respected judges and doctors, esteemed lawyers, admired politicians, and award-winning poets and writers drank heavily, smoked cigars, and secretly discussed what they thought they knew of the British colonies. More specifically, polygamy, bestiality, phallic worship, female circumcision, ritual murder, savage fetishes, and island cannibalism. What the fuck? What the fuck? The gentleman would trade in exotic pornography and tales of flogging and prostitution. Oh my god. If, by chance, a pious, God-fearing bloke were to accidentally stumble into the Fleet Street backroom on a Tuesday night, the tips of his Victorian mustache would have certainly stood on end. <laughs> I mean, not for nothing, but the demon barber of Fleet Street. Totally. Oh, my God, dude. Fucking Sweeney Todd, Sweeney bro. Todd. Anyway, so I'm not going to talk more about that. So apparently the Cannibal Club was this, like, kind of underground society of what sounds like a bunch of rich british white men yeah who were like and you know talking about the british colonies so fucking racist ass colonial ass fucking horrible shit that we're talking about here so i assume that that is where but ain't you got his you know inspiration for the title sure Okay, and now let's take a little shift and let's talk about this YouTube channel that I found called Filmes Encontrados, hosted by this nice guy named Felipe, who he did a review of Cannibal Club. And in his review, he mentions that while Guto Parenchi was working on another film, he found out about a crime that inspired him to write and direct The Cannibal Club. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk to you about the Hua do Arvoredo murders from mm-hmm. Wikipedia. Okay, so the Hua do Arvoredo murders were a series of murders perpetrated between 1863 and 1864 in Porto Alegre, Brazil. Mm. The murderers, José Ramos, his Hungarian wife, Catarina Pauls, and German butcher, 
Carlos Klossner, lured in predominantly German immigrants and killed them, allegedly disposing of the remains by turning the body parts into sausages, which they subsequently sold at their butcher shop. The demon Barbara fucking Fleet Street yet again. I mean, hello. And also, not for nothing, but um, fried green tomatoes, too. Oh, <laughs> my you... God. Oh, man. There are you... so many uh-huh. instances of people being like, well, let me just make a meal out of this and, like, give it to unknowing to citizens of the world. Who yeah. are just going to the butcher shop to buy some sausage for their Sunday barbecue. Like, it's, How dare you? It's evil. It's yeah. fucking evil. All right, so let's talk about these people a little bit. So José Hamus was the eldest son of Manuel Hamus and Maria da Conceição. It says here that during a family argument, his father attacked his mother, resulting in Hamus seriously injuring his father with a knife, which eventually led to the the father's death a few days later. Hence, the young Hamus went to Rio Grande do Sul and became a police inspector in Porto Alegre. Where, the, where he either bought or rented a house on Rua do Arvoredo, which belonged to a butcher named Carlos Klausner. And it says here, I just I have to include this because I found this so fucked up. Hamus would later be expelled from the police force when he was caught attempting to behead Domingos José da Costa, a famous bandit revered as a Robin Hood-like figure, claiming that he had attempted to escape. After that... Hamu served as a police informant. He didn't go to jail. He didn't go Guys, to jail. Stop he making just, this man a police he person. Served as a police informant. Okay, let's talk about Katarina Pulse, his wife. Um, she was the prime accomplice in the killings, respon- responsible for attracting the victims to their residence. She was from Transylvania, and during the Hungarian Revolution of 1848. This is fucking awful. She was raped by soldiers and had to watch her entire family be murdered. Jesus fucking Christ. Dude, later at age 15, she married Peter Pauls solely so she could flee the country. During the trip, her marriage was cut short as her husband committed suicide. This story is so fucking awful. Guys. It's nuts. No. At 20 years of age, she arrived in Porto Alegre in 1857. She ended up getting involved with José Hamus in 1863, with both of them moving in together into that house in Rua do Avoredo. And it says here that Carlos Klausner was a German immigrant who owned a butcher shop behind the Nossa Senhora das Dores Church. And I assume <laughs> that this is where they all live together. The murders began in 1863 with Hamus and Pauls meeting in public places frequented by the city's elites. After choosing the victim, Pauls seduced them and lured them to Hamus's house where the victims had their belongings stolen. They were later beheaded, dismembered, and their skin stripped. The Ew. meat was later ground into sausages and sold at Klausner's butcher shop. And actually, Klausner had suggested to Hamus that they do this to cover up any evidence. So he was, you know, so they could fucking get away with it. And the bones apparently were dissolved in acid or incinerated at the butcher shop. Dude. I mean, in August of 1863, the mysterious disappearances caused a panic in the city, pressuring the authorities to look into it. 
the possible repercussions for the murders began to frighten Klossner, who planned to flee to Uruguay. Thus, Hamus, fearing that his partner might tell the police, killed him and hid his body in the backyard. <laughs> Jesus god, Christ. Oh my god. It's just nuts. Okay. Okay. The crimes were finally uncovered in 1864 with the disappearances of traveling salesman José Ignacio de Souza Avila and the Portuguese merchant Januario Martins Ramos da Silva, both of whom were last seen the day before at José Ramos's house. When they were summoned to the police station for testimony, Ramos claimed that the men had stayed overnight and left the next morning. However, not satisfied with their answers, the police searched the house. There were various indicators that people had been killed in the house, most damning of which were personal possessions belonging to the victims, which Hamus had kept as souvenirs. And that particularly, I was serial like... Serial killer. You guys are fucking serial killers. Serial killer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That serial killer fucking Keeping all the that, way. Your trophies? You're yeah, fucked. trophies. Yeah. During the search, several pieces of decomposing body parts were found buried in the basement, which were later identified as Klausner's. In the well, the mutilated bodies of Januario and José Ignacio were found. Pulse they threw them in the well? In the fucking well, yeah. My water, dude! You're poisoning the uh, water supply! Ew! Disgusting. And so finally, Pulse, the lady, she decided to confess that six men had been killed in the house. Dude. Hamus and Pulse killed the victims in order to steal their money, with the sole exception of Souza Avila, who was killed for being a witness. Which I'm also like, you guys are full of shit. Like, you, yeah. it sounds like there was some enjoyment. Jose Hamus was sentenced to death by hanging, which was later commuted to life imprisonment. He denied his crimes until his death at a hospital in 1893. Pulse was sentenced to 13 years imprisonment. On May 6, 1891, it was reported that she had been released after fully serving her sentence. 13 years for killing six people. And then she, and they're like, bye, go live amongst the people. Have no. a nice life. And she got, she got to Brazil young. And this all happened pretty quickly, I believe. So I don't know what. In her 30s? Who she killed next. Exactly. What the fuck? Anyway, so that is my trivia for today. Love it. <laughs> Let's talk about Guto Parente. Guto Parente was born in Fortaleza, Ceará, in Brazil. He is an editor and director. Born August 1st, 1983. So he's a Leo. Young, too. And Yeah, he's my age. So I found uh, his little bio for um, IFFR 2023, which is... Uh, International Film Festival of Rotterdam. Yes. He is an independent filmmaker educated in film at Escola Pública do Audiovisual de Fortaleza. He was a member of Alumbramento, which is an artist's collective and production company in Ceará until 2016, and is now part of Tardo Filmes in Fortaleza. Parente made several short films, amongst which Dogs Are Said to See Things from 2013 and The Mysterious Death of Perola in 2014, which is, I think, a horror short. So mm. things to keep in mind. Cool. 
In his past, he has regularly directed films in collaboration with Pedro Diógenes, Luiz Preti, and Ricardo Preti, films that are mainly situated in Brazil. Parentes Inferninho, from 2018, is a co-direction with Pedro Diógenes, and the independently made The Cannibal Club, from 2018, are both world premieres in Rotterdam, this film festival. So, cool. Uh, I found a really great interview with Guto Parenti and also um, uh, Tavinho Teixeira, who is the, the guy who played Otavio. And it's on medium.com, uh, written by Frederico Moshen Neto. And uh, these are some of the things that I thought were very interesting from this interview. I put them through Google Translate, so forgive us if they sound odd. Federico asks, contextualize the production of O Clube dos, Can dos Canibais. When did the idea come about? How long did it take from production to premiere? And Guto says, the idea came in 2013. I was living in France with Chisiana Augusto Lima, who is my partner and producer uh, of the film. We were in the process of making The Mysterious Death of Perola which is a psychological horror and filmed entirely in one apartment and made by just the two of us. I am a horror cinephile since my adolescence, but mostly North American horror. Mm. I had already seen some films like Profundo Rosso by Dario Argento. Didn't we see that? I can't remember which Deep one. Red? Yeah. yeah, I think we did see that one. Yeah, yeah. we saw that together. Good. I had already seen some films like Profundo Rosso. Why am I saying it French? Profundo Rosso by Dario Argento at the 2009 Rio Festival, and I was and I had been very impressed. But it wasn't until 2013 that I went deeper, and then we did the Argento Marathon, uh, Mario Bava, George A. Romero, and I was really excited to make a horror movie. And then with doing Perola, there was one night I had the insight to make a film about a cannibal couple. I started researching, reading things about cannibalism. I discovered Desio Freitas' book about a couple from Porto Alegre, mm. O Crime da Rua Arvoredo, when I developed the script. Mm. In 2014, I returned to Brazil. I wrote the film project and placed it in the public notice of the Secretary of Culture of Ceará, which had a regional arrangement together with the Sector Fund Audiovisual. So he got some money from the state to make the movie, basically. Federico says, when we watched the beginning of the film, I had the impression that I was watching something with an Italian touch shot in widescreen, which is seldom used in Brazilian cinema. It looked like a tinto brass soft porn. Could that be a reference? And Guto says, it has a mixture of that vibe of Italian horror cinema with B movies. And for me, at least, it has a lot of Carlão Heikenbach, who is another Brazilian director. It has a vibe that has a relationship with porno chanchada. Mm. The idea of the film was a very crazy mixture of references, of desires. I had my will of what I wanted to feel in talking about the elite. At the same time, this desire to bring up the issue of cannibalism and to also work with humor, which makes sense. Federico asks, 
Even if the idea came in 2013, the film feels contaminated with this madness that we are living today. The narrative has a relationship between terror and social oppression. And this way of talking about these tensions more freely than in political science or journalism. Was this construction intentional or did it happen during the process? And Gutu says, from the moment I decided to make a film about elite characters, I thought the issue of social inequality, class inequality and oppression has to come up. It is inevitable. It's almost as if Brazilian cinema somehow was always touched by these issues somewhere. The issue of the oppressive chain, the social inequality and an elite that feeds it. And that doesn't feel. And that they don't feel much weight on their conscience for feeding it. But what is happening now, which is way more frightening, is the loss of modesty in being aggressive and in being violent. Hmm. We are living in a moment when all the masks have fallen and no one pretends anything anymore. So that's how it is. It's people supporting torture. It's people supporting torture and being elected. It's people supporting dictatorship. It's a very scary business. Wow. We have a, uh, Federico says, we have a protagonist who is a femme fatale. How was this construction within the narrative and how was the performance of the actress Ana Luisa with Tavinho? Did anyone complain that the character was sexist? And Guto says, I've heard the opposite. Today, during an interview with a podcast, there was a girl who thought it was cool that this female character had power, even in sex. She who drive she's the one who drives the whole thing in their relationship. It seems like she has the brain and he doesn't. There's a fundamental issue in this film, which is to screw up the masculine virility, which mm. makes a lot of sense with what you said before. Mm -hmm. Much of the film's humor is linked to this. This place of the man placing himself as the boss, the powerful, the owner of the house, the provider. The film had this thing of making fun of the masculine place and needed a strong character. Someone to laugh in his face, which she li quite literally does, mm -hmm. and who will create the whole idea of a plan and make him think that he is the one that's creating the idea. So, sure. again, this manipulative game that she was playing. Anyways, I thought that was some cool information in this article. Yeah. And very quickly, let's talk about what Porno Chanchada is very fast. Porno Chanchada is the name given to a genre of sex comedy films produced in Brazil that was popular in the late 1960s. I'm pretty sure we said this in uh, Segredo, Segredo da, da Múmia. Múmia. Yeah. After popularity of Comédia Sexy Alitaliana. <laughs> <laughs> By the 1980s, with the wide availability of hardcore pornography through clandestine video cassettes, the genre suffered a considerable decline. Its name combined porno and chanchada, which means light comedy, as itself combines comedy and erotica. Porno chanchadas were, massive, were massively produced in the downtown quarter of Sao Paulo that was nicknamed Boca de Lixo. 
Later, there were productions in Rio de Janeiro as well, creating the subgenre porno chanchada carioca, which is oh. the name you give to people from Rio de Janeiro. That's porno chanchada. I always want to say porno chanchadas. Yo también. I really <laughs> have to fight chanchadas. my fucking mouth to say it. And very quickly, I just want to say that Fortaleza is the state capital of Ceará, which is lo located in the Nordeste do Brasil, Northeast Brazil. It belongs to the metropolitan mesoregion of Fortaleza and microregion of Fortaleza. <laughs> <laughs> it is Brazil's fifth largest city and the 12th richest city in the country in GDP. It also has the third richest metropolitan area in the north and northeast regions. It is an important industrial and commercial center of Brazil, the nation's eighth largest municipality in purchasing power. According to the Ministry of Tourism, the city reached the mark of second most desired destination of Brazil and fourth among Brazilian cities in tourists received. The BR-116, which is the most important highway of the country, starts in Fortaleza. Oh, wow. And Fortaleza is one of the three leading cities in the northeast region, together with Recife and Salvador, which are humongous, beautiful cities as well. And that's the end of my trivia. I love it. You want to answer some questions for me? Absolutely. All right. Eileen, were you scared? No, I wouldn't say I was scared. Uh, there were some tense moments, but not really. What about you? Same. I said no, not really, which I, I won't I won't knock it for that. But no, no. What was your best scare? I'd say walking down that the when the masked man was walking down that little hallway in, in the in the hidden room mm -hmm. um just because it was really dark and very creepy and we knew something was gonna happen but mm -hmm. who knows yeah. you mine was the final sex scene between gilda and jonas when i like i mentioned before shoulders were to the ears i was ready for that axe to come down on somebody i was hoping it wasn't jonas so i was stressed in that moment Who was your favorite character? Gilda. I thought she was fucking great. I think oh, she, she was fabulous. She was really good at being this like conniving woman. Uh, and she had that dude by the fucking balls, man. And wow. also, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to the congressman to Borges, because I thought that monologue he gave at the at the table at the cannibal club was really fucking good. And also the way he delivered that line to Gilda, where he's like, Mia querida, eu não sei <laughs> what the fuck what you're talking mean? about. Exactly. I thought that was so good. So, yeah, that that gang. What about you? It's crazy because it's hard to pick in this movie, but all they the all characters did a good job. They the acting is wonderful, but what I will call like you know the you know the the cannibal club characters like Gilda, even though she's not part of it, Gilda, Otavio, Borges, they're all terrible people. Mm -hmm. They're horrible. Mm -hmm. But it's crazy that you kind of like are on their side. Not not Borges, but I was rooting for Otavio and Gilda at the sure. end there, which sure. was insane to me. So anyway, that being said, I also said 
Gilda. Otavio did a fucking phenomenal job. Great he job. nailed. But Gilda was just magnetic. You can't yeah. take your eyes off her. And listen, that woman was committed in those yeah. sex scenes with I think I think require like you get like just a shout out give her a shout out like damn yeah. you convinced me but I'm also gonna just mention I loved Jonas he was just at the end of the movie but I so badly wanted him to come out in the end and you know win in the end and ultimately like you could you could argue with that. Like, does he win? He literally just had to murder all these people. He's not he's not better off, you know, yeah. but I I'm just so glad that he was the one who survived. Anyway, what was your best line? <laughs> I have two. Mm-hmm. One of them is. Ay, Otavio, não enche meu saco. <laughs> just because uh, <laughs> the way she delivered that line was it just it brought me back like it placed me right in the middle of brazil like i Mm -hmm. that's such a brazilian thing and then my second one (laughs) has to be gilda minha querida eu não faço a menor ideia de o que você está falando just literally that line the way it made me laugh and the way mm-hmm. he delivered it, just him being like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It, I, it, I don't know why it tickled me so. So those are my two. Delivered so well that you believe him, even though yeah. you literally 30, 30 seconds, a minute before saw him getting fucked in the ass. Yeah. But still you're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, and you're right, right. I believe you. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yep. What, what about you? I can't remember what it is in Portuguese, but it's basically when Otavio says, we're not murderers. You know, he just like yells it out. No, somos assassinos. I couldn't believe that line. If anything, that feels kind of like thesis statement-y to me. Absolutely. Because that just spoke volumes to me. So that's going to take it for me. What was your best death? Gilda. Mm-hmm. That fucking axe to the chest really like I was like, oh fuck. Mm. I the the gasp I took and it looked so great. And weirdly, she looked really beautiful too. Like it oh was, God, there she's was stunning. I, I mean, I was just like, this is it, it's and besides all that, you're like, yeah, you deserve to fucking die. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You suck as much as I'm like, you're a fabulous, fabulous, incredible person. No, you suck. What about you? Mine was the opening sex scene Uh acts to the head, that poor Caseiro, just because, like I said, we're five minutes in and they just kind of like laid out on the line for us. Just intense, extreme sex scene. Fucking jerking off in the corner back here behind this (laughs) mirror. Here I come with an axe to your brain and literally them getting like, you know, quote unquote, come Come shots, but blood shots. Yeah. Whoa. Holy shit. What an opening. Did you learn anything about the culture? I'd say slightly in that it's just another reminder that Brazilian rich people are on another level of like who they think they are and who they what they think their country is Mm -hmm. and like what they deserve because i feel like that's there's got to be some level of truth in there like that scene in that 
but with that other couple and that birthday party of them just like ew uh fucking i love mm-hmm. a first world country because this is a piece of shit it's like have you been to brazil you dickholes like yeah, yeah. listen it's things are rough sure mm-hmm. but you are a large contributing factor to why it sucks absolutely so eat a dick and um and it was also just really beautiful to see Ceará and fortaleza so i'd say yeah i learned some stuff what about you i actually said the exact same thing that you did where it wasn't directly like this is what's happening this is the situation but you get it you get the message yeah. here where i was like i did learn more about just mm-hmm. like the divide you know yeah. what i mean the divide in brazil and finally how many ooies are you going to give this movie? I'm going to give this movie three. It was very enjoyable. The sex really was a surprise. It was funny. It took its time, but also delivered when it needed to delivered. Um, but, you know, not that many spooks. And uh, honestly, uh, expected a little bit more cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Um just in general, I guess in my mind, when I hear cannibalism, it, there's a little bit more like disgustingness to it. But in general, I thought it was a great movie. So I'll give it three. What about you? I gave it three and a half. I really nice. enjoyed this movie. And I went in totally not knowing. I had never heard about this movie until you were like, this is what we're going to do this week on Uike Horror. I like that it doesn't bash you over the head for lack of a better phrase with its messaging but it is very clear what the message is totally you know there are layers to that but the message feels simple enough that you like it's you know for us sometimes the artsy fartsy things kind of just go right over our heads this did not like i think i think we got this and it made me feel things. It made me laugh. Holy shit, those sex scenes. Girl, those sex scenes were powerful. And I really enjoyed it. I would highly recommend this film. So three and a half from me. Great. Well, let's leave this beautiful beach town of Fortaleza and head back to our grimy lives in New York City and Washington, (laughs) D.C. We uh, are elite um, mansions can stay behind. Yes. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Uh, Thank you so much for being here with us. We appreciate every single one of you. Once again, please remember to subscribe, rate and review. We appreciate any little bit of love that comes our way. Follow us on our redes sociales at Uikyorror on Instagram and Twitter. You can send us an email at Uikyorror at gmail.com. Thank you to Sonoro for being the beach house that holds our hearts. <laughs> uh, we love you. Uh, you can follow them at Sonoro Podcast on Instagram and Twitter as well. And Johnny, if ever I were to eat another human, I hope it's you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was going to say, if ever I was going to be like, yeah, I guess I'll try human meat. It would be with you to be like, should we fucking do this? Should we can we do this together? We'll fucking try it. 
if it was ethically made, if it was, Absolutely. if everything was kosher, things were cool. Yeah. If this was this person's last wish, I would like to become a loin of human. Then great. Then sure, I would. That's the way it's gonna happen. I, uh, you would be the only one I would do it with. So. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I fucking love you, my dude. I fucking love you too. And we'll see you guys in la próxima semana. Adiós. Adiós. Uy, qué horror. Es una producción de Sonoro. Produced by Jonathan Atkinson and Eileen Clark. Edición y mezcla, Karina Riverol. Escuche Uy, qué horror en cualquier plataforma donde escuchen podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Adiós. Adiós. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.